This episode is brought to you in part by the Second Mission Foundation. Second Mission Foundation is a nonprofit organization that exists to educate, elevate, and advocate for members of America's service community in order to help them find their second mission after government service. The Second Mission Foundation was started by and for the members of America's service community. That means members of the armed forces, first responders, security contractors, etc. Second Mission Foundation provides these veterans the opportunity for them to tell their stories, reach their goals, and make their voices heard through educational outreach, entrepreneurship support, and community involvement. To find out more, go to secondmissionfoundation.org. That's secondmissionfoundation, all one word, dot org, secondmissionfoundation.org. Profiles in Havoc is a Havoc Journal podcast. The Havoc Journal seeks to serve as the voice of the veteran community through a focus on current affairs and articles of interest to the public in general and the veteran community in particular. Havoc Journal strives to offer timely, current, and informative content. When you go to Havoc Journal, you will read the most articulate, opinionated, thoughtful, and provocative veteran writers writing about the nation, the world, politics, national security, culture, fitness, movies, the list goes on and on and on. Havoc Journal is always expanding, always striving to improve the reader's experience. Check it out at HavocJournal.com. That's Havoc with a K, Journal.com, HavocJournal.com. My guest today was the incredibly brave, articulate, ferocious supporter of human rights and social activism in Afghanistan, Crystal Bayad. I was really looking forward to having Crystal on the show for a while. Uh, I think Lori Gutierrez first turned me on to Crystal. She was like, hey, this lady's doing some serious stuff in Afghanistan in the wake of the withdrawal. And I think I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school to say that Lori, I think, had reached out to her and there was a connection there. And anyway, so that's how I first knew about Crystal. Uh, Crystal was a member of the Lloyd Jerga. We'll talk about that. I don't want to give too many spoilers about what Crystal and I are going to talk about on the show, but she was a member of the Lloyd Jerga when um, the Afghan government was in Doha for the peace talks. And she was there during the peace talks. Um, so it's really interesting to get an insider's perspective on how the peace talks went. Um, I, there's so many threads. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating to, to assess how much I should say or how much I should just let you guys discover for yourselves. Um, I'll whet your appetite a little bit to say, I don't know if we're breaking news on the show, but because I think a lot of people could connect the dots and maybe figure this out on their own. But Crystal brings up some really interesting uh, connections in the wake of the Afghan withdrawal. Uh, Iran's role in the country, China's role in the country, uh, how Iranian influence is affecting the situation in Ukraine with the former Afghan military. I'll just leave it at that. You'll have to listen to find out what she brings up there. Um, some of the specifics she has on U.S. government support of the Taliban, uh, which, uh, well, I should pause here and say this was actually very serendipitous timing of this episode. Um, I did not plan it like this. 
Uh, so Scott, if you're listening to this, this was not, I, I was not trying to, to one up you on this, but my buddy, Scott, man, uh, hit me up the other week because he was able to talk to, um, commander Masood, uh, Ahmad Shah Masood's, uh, son and, uh, Congressman Mike Waltz about the situation in Afghanistan and about the national resistance front. And Scott hit me up. He's like, Hey, here's the YouTube of it. Uh, can you help me put out word about it? And, uh, and obviously watch it and all that. And I watched it and it was, you know, uh, incredibly interesting. I had a lot of questions, uh, that was like, Oh man, um, I'd love to get a bite at the apple and be able to ask uh, some questions of those guys. And then serendipitously, Crystal and I worked it out, so we were able to link up uh, today just in the wake of Scott's episode. So I was all hot and bothered with Afghanistan right on the forefront of my mind when uh, when I sat down to talk with Crystal. And um, we'll talk about the National Resistance Front. We'll talk about ways forward that Crystal sees in Afghanistan. Well, also, what I really wanted to get to, um, because with someone like Crystal, who does advocacy, you know, just like she eats and sleeps, uh, you know, it's easy to dive right into the issues. And the issues are juicy and underreported. So I'm very happy to talk about the issues with her. That said, I really wanted to also get her story and some of those intimate moments that she's had. Uh, You know, she was born in 1997 in Kabul. So she was born into, you know, absolute apocalyptic war. And then, uh, was raised really seeing the effects of the American involvement in Afghanistan. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I had listening to her describe her childhood was how, I can't think of a better way to describe it, how endearingly, lovingly, um, uh, robustly she speaks of and defends the idea of democracy. I mean, to hear her talk about democracy, the, the American ideals of democracy, I mean, you, you feel like you're, you know, listening to Hamilton and Madison or something, you know, it's like she's, she's got this, um, truly revolutionary passion for them. And you can see, as she says, it's that generation that was raised in Afghanistan under American, uh, you know, after the American involvement. And I think one of the most poignant things, and I will say this is a spoiler, <clears throat> but one of the most poignant things that she brings up for anyone that's sitting wondering, well, what good did it do for us to be there? My, my, was it even worth it? She's like, yeah, it was worth it. I was one of the many Afghans that were raised under the protection of the American military, able to go to school um, to the point that, as she says, by 2015, it just wasn't even an issue whether or not she could go to school, uh, whether she even had to have her head covered, whether she could walk by herself, drive by herself. You know, um, it's truly incredible, monumental social progress that had been made. So for her to see that promise ripped apart in the wake of our withdrawal, I think makes it that much more tragic and allows us to understand her passion and her, let's call it risky behavior in the wake of the withdrawal when she was confronting the Taliban face to face 
uh, that much more understandable. She's, you know, she's only 24, 25 years old. I mean, she's got a lot more to do in life. It'll be very interesting to keep our eyes on her and what she does and, and where her life goes from here. Um, I know, I, I, let me not say this. I, I, I was about to be very self-deprecating and say, you know, I'm, I'm really a, I constantly come back and harp on Afghanistan. I sometimes feel like I'm, you know, in my own little echo chamber on this. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying it and I hope you guys, I hope it adds something to your conversation and uh, falls within the scope of your interests. Uh, it is something that obviously uh, I, I do feel very compelled to focus on um, not to say there aren't a lot of issues going on in the world right now that demand our attention, you know, Chinese planes buzzing us in, over the South China sea, uh, trying to intercept air force fighters, you know, obviously the war in Ukraine, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff, but Afghanistan, um, we've already demonstrated what a threat can, what threat, what kind of threat can emerge from that area. And, um, you know, as I've said before, that, that is not a country, that's a country that needs adult supervision and it's to our own detriment that we blind ourselves to what goes on there. So yes, that is a drum that I will continue to thump, uh, and try to keep our eye peeled to what's going on there. And when you have somebody like Crystal with, you know, not intimate knowledge and contacts in the country who, you know, is acutely aware of the stakes, um, I think it's important to listen to her. I'll also say this for anybody that is like, oh, honks news, not into Afghanistan. Um, one of the things that Crystal brings up, and not wrongly, is that there's a lot for Americans to be interested in, in Afghanistan. You might be interested in the women's rights, human's rights issues. Cool. You might be interested in the humanitarian aspects of it. Cool. You should probably also care about the national security implications of what is bubbling up in Afghanistan. Uh, you should also care about American foreign policy and American self-image in the wake of Afghanistan. Uh, for all the renting of garments and gnashing of teeth that we do in this country about living up to our own ideals, um, any idealistic American would be well advised to take a hard look at our actions in Afghanistan and... Um, try to square that circle. So a lot of threads that are very important, I think, in Afghanistan that, that should make everyone interested in what happens over there uh, because that story is not over. I feel very strong in saying that. Okay, I've talked long enough about this. Without further ado, I'm Christopher Paul Meyer, and this is Crystal Biot's Profile in Havoc. the show crystal thank you so much it's great to finally meet you i have heard about you for a long time and then i started to dig into who you were all the stuff you were doing um it's just a real privilege to finally be able to sit down and talk with you thank you so much uh thank you and it's great to talk with you 
Well, I'm trying to flatter you. (laughs) Hearing guys, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I wanted I wanted to flatter you because I know we're going to talk about some heavy stuff, and um, I I think your clarity on so many of these subjects is something that is crucial right now. Let me start with kind of a very vague question: How are you doing? Uh, Good. Um, I. So this an American life and it's get everything is now settled. It's it's good, yeah. But it's still, uh, I'm here, but my my soul is still in Afghanistan. And you know yeah. how the situation in Afghanistan it just hurt as each each second. How does that? I mean, the the cognitive dissonance, the gear shift between going from Afghanistan to very quickly being in the US and now seeing a bunch of people that probably many of them aren't even thinking about Afghanistan and your head is still there. Yeah. What does that do for you? I mean, I, does it make you angry? Does it make you sad? Do you feel very disconnected <laughs> from Afghanistan? How do you feel yeah. now? Yes, uh, I do feel disconnected. It's very hard. Um Especially ever um, when I left Afghanistan, I never wanted to be out of my country. But uh, in order to just save my life, um, um, uh, I I got out of Afghanistan. But uh, it's hard to see that uh, my people are suffering inside of Afghanistan. And the people who are uh, I'm seeing here uh, in United States, uh, uh, they're out, but um, uh, still um, they're in a, a very uncertain future. Uh, for example, about their legal status, that Afghan Adjustment Act has not been passed uh, for Afghan. And um, I mean, with two years of humanitarian parole, they're going to, uh, to finish, I mean, in this August, but... Um, uh, everything like uh, how hard was it for everyone to to work inside of Afghanistan with a vision to just you know have a peaceful country? Uh, everyone was uh, prepared uh, in in the system in, uh, of Afghanistan and the life that they made in yeah. Afghanistan, and suddenly everything was taken away from from us. I mean, starting life from scratch here is not an easy task, but um, uh, I always uh, say this. I'm grateful of great Americans that uh, they could feel our our, our actual pain and um, stand beside us. Um, no matter what happened, it's the leadership. We can't accuse the great Americans that who lives in the United States. Um, especially with the Utahns that they made my life very easy. Uh, you know, um, emotionally, like in different uh, dimensions, they made it, made it very easy. Oh, that's great. That And there are those people that I think have been, their hearts have been with Afghanistan for, in many cases, a long time. And I think it was a very easy transition to yeah. come to, to any Afghan aid that they could. That said, yeah. how do you feel about Americans now when you see people that aren't part of that? And when you just see, I mean, and you hear, you know, you see American news and you see what Americans are paying attention to. And I, I'm not trying to lead you down a path of, 
you know, getting angry at Americans, but I'm just wondering for you with the life changes you've had, how that feels to be in a country that seems like it's forgotten a lot about Afghanistan in the last year or two. Well, uh, I think uh, the American people still care about uh, their Afghan allies. It's just leadership uh, that is not a good leadership. And they're uh, trying to ignore Afghanistan, which is just um, deceiving and it's a misperception of uh, Americans that their government stopped supporting Afghans. But in fact, uh, as uh, I, we have the sources from the ground that the United States is sending money each, each week, uh, $35 million to the Taliban. No one is talking about such stuff on, uh, on media, unfortunately. Um, but uh, how is yeah, that, they, Crystal, how is that money getting there? How, how are they said? Do you know how uh, they're getting to the Taliban? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, we have the pictures. Uh, we when people who are working in the airport uh, they send it uh, uh, cash uh, through plane uh, in Afghanistan. Who, yeah. does it, who does it go to individuals or does it go through uh, the central banking or what is yeah, it? Uh, the central bank uh, is actually occupied by the Taliban, right. so it's fully controlled by the Taliban. And even if it's going to central bank, it's like. It means it's the money is from Taliban and they have control over. So what they're trying to use, misusing this money rather like uh, taking through humanitarian aids or whatever it is, and what purpose they are going to ask this money. But in fact, they are misusing this funds and, and trying to um, in, uh, invest and spend this money uh, on some religious schools. Closing the public schools, but then having their, you know, religious um, schools and putting like uh, children at the age of seven or eight in these schools, just in order to brainwash them uh, as an extremist for the future, expanding right. their troops, which is really scary, not for Afghanistan. Afghanistan has been always a victim of this war. and uh, Right political instabilities among regime countries. Uh, but we should think bigger about like how it could affect the United States, how it could uh, affect the Western countries or the regional countries. And yeah. what's the, their purpose for such things? If, if they are closing the schools, then wh- why they are opening these uh, religious schools? It, it needs to be, uh, it needs a serious discussion about such issues that unfortunately the Western media is just ignored these issues yeah. and they never speak about it. How, when you're going around talking to people, how hard is it to communicate what needs to be communicated to an American audience? Do Americans get it? Um, or is it something where you really have to like go, okay, so you know the Taliban, you know, they're in Afghanistan, like you're going like to the basic facts because Americans aren't aren't totally tracking what's going on there. Or is it an easier conversation? Do Americans kind of have a better idea of what's happening? Oh, well, the problem uh, is that um, Afghanistan has been represented in a very wrong way to the to the Americans. For example, uh, girls education. They think that all men are not supporting. I mean, it's uh, Taliban got power through community supports because of the culture, and people have this culture like restriction on women or uh, not so much um, uh, supporter of women's rights or girls' rights, especially their freedoms. 
but that's that's the difficult part when I'm talking with them and they're like, well, uh, you know that uh, Taliban and Afghan men are pretty in a similar thoughts. So it might not be difficult or challenging for people in Afghanistan. And um, being as a new generation in the uh, in this yeah. time that who raised up uh, in a very democratic uh, era of Afghanistan, don't know what war is or who the Taliban, just listening, reading about them is what I got to know. It's very, uh, it's a big misunderstanding uh, and misconception of uh, banning guilt from schools and university is something in Afghan culture. It's not related, it's not based on our culture. Our culture is literacy, our culture right. is a love, peace, respect. Um, that's what uh, the most difficult part is. Or even uh, they think that uh, will our government, uh, because we we had given uh, enough sacrifice, uh, like the young armies who went in Afghanistan to fight. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that's something different. Also, that um, being as a part of that uh, former uh, um, government. We didn't ask for the army to come and fight for us. We trained like U.S. investment right. in Afghanistan, trained a very well, um, high qualified army, like 300,000 army. We were able to fight for ourselves. The only thing is like this money that right now go to the Taliban hand, we were asked this money for ourselves in order to get military equipment to fight against the Taliban. Right. But unfortunately, what is represented in the public minds, you know, people think differently. But the story, which is really inside of Afghanistan, is it, it's a different narratives. It's a different niche issues yeah. that people never understand that, uh, well, and they're happy now that, well, we have nothing to do with Afghanistan, nor we, our money will go to, uh, to, the, uh, to Afghans. Uh, I mean, to, to the government. Right. Um, right. But in fact, uh, at least in that uh, government, people, one of the big issues that I always hear, like, we wasted so much money in Afghanistan. That wasn't a waste. You could, uh, you know me, I don't know how, like the audience, if they don't know me, it made me, my yeah. generation, the generation, the people, or the, the new generation who is standing against injustice and inequality. That's a huge change. $80 billion is not that big deal that people are complaining, but it built uh, the whole generation that, um, uh, and draw from extremism. We, we are not, uh, we are not going to fight for religion anymore. We are not going to be victim mm -hmm. of this. Um, extremist ideology anymore. This generation is a generation of change in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, so that, we, that, that's one of the things I've always said. There's a big difference between never having gone to Afghanistan and having gone and fought for 20 years and yes. had, had an effect so your generation could grow up and have an understanding of democracy and have this natural sense of justice about you. And that's, I think that's a huge benefit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I always um, in in everywhere I go, I thank the great Americans who supported twenty years the people of Afghanistan. We can never forget this 
sacrifice. Um, definitely the people of Afghanistan always cherish the presence of United States and how uh, we uh, ended up with a democratic uh, life. But what we, uh, but what really uh, frustrate us, uh, make us angry is that we stood up 20 years together with United States. The way they withdraw, the way they choose a Taliban rather than the, or the, like the liberal yeah. team yeah. was not a correct decision. That wasn't the, I mean, I believe that uh, war never ends with war, but there must be negotiation. But Taliban was not an option to hand us. They're terrorists. Uh, every, they are defined by their ideologies, by their action, especially recently we see what's going on in Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, it, that makes me, it's not only about Afghanistan, but it means it, it, um, it actually undermines um, the United States name yeah. uh, here too, because uh, what was the purpose and the goal of the United States is to build nation state in Afghanistan. The, uh, uh, an Afghan, uh, an Af- um, a life that an American woman has, yeah. Uh, but uh, well, Crystal, uh, let, let me ask you because you were part of the Lloyd Jurga in 2020, yeah. and yeah. I want to ask you about um because you were actually at the Doha Peace Talks as well, right? Yeah. And I want I want to ask you about that. Can we talk about that for a minute? Can you give me your impressions sure. of how the talks went? what you liked, what you didn't like, what you saw at the peace talks. Because to me, I, that's when I was in Afghanistan, was from the peace talks all the way through um, the reduction in violence and everything else into 2020. And then I left in October 2020. And it was uh, I was disgusted at the Doha peace talks. I didn't understand why they were happening. But, I, but you were there, so you know a lot more than I do about that. I'd love to know what you thought and what you saw there and how people acted yes uh, the, uh, if we focus um, so let's start like uh, 2017 uh, it was because of ambassador Khalilzad who actually recognized Taliban as a as a team to be um, set on the table and to talk with them they were terrorists and it wasn't, um, they weren't deserved even to talk with, with them, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, we didn't have option because we were dependent on, on uh, funding from uh, these countries. And we had, to, um, we had to do what they are ordering. We weren't as much independent as American things here that, oh, you had right. your country, you had this one. Right. No, we were just a player. We, we were we were uh, we had like we were getting uh, uh, our orders uh, whatever they command we had to follow that none of the none of the um, officials uh, former officials was agree to negotiate with the Taliban the only option for them is to fight with them at the end of the day they will be they will give up and they will stop fighting with us but then they didn't believe in us. They believed in Taliban that, oh, no, we have to talk with them and maybe they'll change. And they could see the failure right now. And why, that, why, why was that? Why was Khalilzad, Khalilzad so, so set on negotiating with the Taliban? He made money out of that. He made billions, millions of dollars out of that. That ah. was because 
um, you know that how they deal because Qatar and most of the extremist country, uh, Islamic countries, they want to have their people in different countries. And Taliban, um, we weren't part of those their choice. So we were we were chosen by the U.S. government and Iran was right. supporting uh, Taliban because of you know mm-hmm. uh, their like their sources. China supported because of the the mines and the minerals that are in yeah. Afghanistan. They were paying so much high taxes during Trump, uh, mm-hmm. President Trump, uh, and um, actually they they said like, oh, uh, let's deal with the Taliban, kick this uh, government out of Afghanistan, when we can get it this for free. Why we should pay so much tax for these semiconductors and chips for US? It's not. It's just only one part. The another part of the China supported is because of the Pakistan. They were paying like OPEC um, project through the OPEC. They are paying forty billion dollar each year. But then through Afghanistan, they could they can do it in a half price. So China went for, through more on economic side. Iran is because of the water. We stopped water, and then they had drought crisis. So we actually, when you is invested in Afghanistan, honestly, the government was more independent, getting more independent and start like ex- the trade and um, uh, being independent uh, by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then the region countries realized that, oh, no, this generation going to take Right. take advantage uh, from us and they w- they won't allow us to use them anymore so that's why th- they interfered in afghanistan issues it's not about religion nothing is about religion right. everything right. is because of the their pers- uh, i mean their national interest the neighbors right the yep. neighbors yes and L- obviously for the for the western countries it was the purpose of democracy that what mm-hmm. how they definitely they had their own interest too but more like we are victim of this region uh, countries mm-hmm. and uh, it's like for russia which half of our border is and um, right. we are uh, uh, we are neighbor with them and from different ways pakistan the the safe haven of tourists uh, tourists in, in in the in, a, in the world and they claim as that no afghanistan is uh, the place for terrorists who yeah. is who is sending this terrorist in Afghanistan? Exactly. From where the Taliban came? They originally came from this Pakistan. United States, instead of bombing Afghanistan, instead of fighting and launching war in Afghanistan, they should control Pakistan, not Afghanistan. Yeah. Because Afghan, um, Afghan people have been always uh, victimized for such issues. You know, right. Right. People always think that, oh, Afghans are terrorists they are uh, they always prefer war or they no it isn't it's a total misconception you were in afghanistan and you saw that how people love freedoms that they yeah. had and how they were working hard in order to uh, build their country but we were always um, victim of wrong politics uh, for the region countries as well yes. as for the superpowers I, so Thank you for saying that because I've been saying that for a while, but I'm not Afghan, so it doesn't matter as much when I say it. But I've always felt Afghanistan's whole future has always been dictated by its neighbors. And the Afghan people have always looked out for, I think, good things. The problem is the foreign influence in Afghanistan that's always found 
whether it's the Taliban or whether it's corrupt people, it's found ways of exerting influence on Afghanistan. And I'm very interested in talking about that. Um, before I do, though, I want to just go to the peace talks because I want to get some clarity on that. When you were there, can you just talk to me about what that experience was like, what your hopes were, what you felt, how it all went when you were there? What was your impression of the well, peace talks? Well, it, it was a deal from the United States that we have to agree on releasing the prisoner. Right. It wasn't like based just public deceiving deceiving the public to just vote it was not because we were part of the we were the organizers we knew like the deal is like to give um permission grant permission that uh the, the taliban 5000 prisoners should be yep. released after yep. this jerga and it happened no one i didn't vote I would uh, like I I uh, hold a red card. I didn't give a green card for them. But then everyone I was witness. Everyone was like, "No, we we can't go with the Taliban." Right. The moment they got released, their prisoners, yeah, they start more demands. Like, okay, the prisoners um, in, in U, when U.S. Uh, got them from uh, in two thousand one. So they put more uh, demands, and honestly, um, uh, United States, in some way, uh, uh, with dealing with the Taliban, mm -hmm. was um, you know uh, just giving uh, more uh, options for the Taliban, and I don't know how. I think uh, they call impostion something in English. Uh, in English, they, they were always giving uh, more concessions. Chances for Concessions. concessions, yes. Concessions. Yes. Why United States was a super a superpower? Why they should give concessions to the Taliban? Everything the Taliban said, United States accepted, and we were just like we were represented from United States. We we weren't independent for decision making. So you and were there in the room. Doha, so you heard he, you heard he, the American he, representative uh, giving concessions every, right there. Uh, yeah. Every everyone was calling. We even received the calls that I. So I can't expose this in public, but we were receiving calls that this is the deal. We have to we have to give more chances to the Taliban in order to see uh, like they should be flexible with our demands. The demands was women's rights and human rights, which no one is really actually care about such issues. No. I don't think it matters to them about human rights or women's rights as far as there is uh, interest. So you see right now the Taliban win actually because they, they got all the options from the United States. United States lost. And then right now, United States is, has to send money for the Taliban. Yeah. What's yeah. the reason behind this? When, and, you, when, when you were in the room, when you were in Doha and you heard the Americans giving concession after concession after concession to the Taliban. Did anyone on the Afghan side try to talk to the Americans and go, hey, what are you doing? What was the dialogue? Yeah, yeah. no, we, the project was from U.S. No one was able to speak out. Even if you speak, for example, like seeing me, uh, like I knew, like when the Taliban look at our, our outfit and our attire and saying like this type of girls, it's not in our Sharia and we don't accept it. And I said, like, I don't accept you in my country because that's not your place. And everyone was looking, just looking, no action at all. 
because that time they were like, oh, they are new. They, they might change their mindset when they see changes in Afghanistan and when they are coming in, in, in the community. And here you go. They are now in, inside of Afghanistan. They are with those women. Women are being always victim of this um, yeah. wrong politics, uh, especially the war in Afghanistan. It's always women has to yeah. pay. But in, when yeah. it comes to the benefit and power, it's men always to give on. Right. Uh, right. Uh, they didn't accept uh, actually when I was there, and uh, we we didn't vote, and it was already dealt, and it was Khalilzad again, the most corrupted person in the history of U.S. Because it actually dealt the U.S. name, the values of the U.S. Um, the United States to, with these people. What's the well? It defines values for the United States: the democracy, human rights, women rights. What's what's going on right now with the Taliban? They violated all these promises. They, they, are, they start like we don't care. As far as we we make the Western angry, uh, we uh, frustrate them with our decision. That's our ultimate goal. So I wonder, like, it wasn't there any other option for the United States to go for a peace? There was several ways. How? And what if it ways? was matter of money, so, so like, okay, why United States supported warlords in Afghanistan? I was never uh, agree with this to support warlords. They are uneducated. They they just know how to fight. But it was U.S. to fund those people, the wrong mm. guy, you know. But they never trusted like the uh, the new generation, the elites that they, you know. They could form uh, um, a team uh, from the Fulbrighters that they came and study in the United States and they mm -hmm. are committed to work for the interest of both countries. They didn't do this. There were several several ways, um, the several options, but they didn't uh, work honestly. And at the end of the day, uh, which is like in, uh, if uh, you, uh, you have read the Afghanistan paper, the 2000 mm -hmm. paper from Pentagon, mm -hmm. and they said, uh, our stay in Afghanistan was wrong and what we did in Afghanistan was wrong and everything was wrong. And they didn't learn from this lesson and still they were supporting Taliban. That's what really annoys and frustrates the people of, um, of Afghanistan. Course. That course. Okay, if even if 20 years was a mistake for you guys, but you don't learn from your mistake and still yeah. you're supporting Taliban, what can be the reason behind that? So when you, when you look at the mistakes that the U.S. made, do you think, so you talked about the Fulbright scholars and the elites in Afghan society, that there was another way, another faction that the U.S. could have supported. Do you think Ghani was one of them? I mean, he was, you know, an elite. He was very well educated. What do you think his problems were? Or do you uh, think he was pretty good? So yeah, it wasn't, uh, some people says uh, that he was corrupted. Mm-hmm. Uh, his circle was corrupted. But if I clarify this, it was again U.S. who chose and recruit that person as a president. It wasn't people because people choose another and right. the vote voted another person. But again, do you, think, do you think it should have been Abdullah? Do you think he should have been president? Uh, I don't think he was also a deserved, uh, like, um, but I prefer Ghani better than Abdullah, but at least he is like, he knew or uh, he was very um, educated in politics. Uh, he knew how to play with the neighbor countries. 
Like that's mater. what he did. Like mater. Okay. Mm, uh, Ghani. Ghani. Oh, 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 oh. Gotcha. Uh, Ghani is better. Yeah, Ghani was better than Abdullah. Uh, he, uh, he knew how to play with the region country. That's why the region country went to um, uh, uh, to cooperate with the Taliban because uh, Ghani was standing and saying, like, everyone has to pay the price of the benefits that they are getting from Afghanistan, whether it's Iran yeah. or Pakistan yeah. or China. But then um, corruption was uh, corruption is all, all over the world. Sure. And people say that, uh, I mean, show me a country that there is no corruption in that country. There is no uh, country. We we always say that in Afghanistan uh, there was corruption problem. The main the main sure. reason that they want to whitewash ten thousand administrators. You could just deploy them and employ a new ten thousand uh, administrators. What was the what was the reason behind this if you didn't do this and you, now you're trying to claim and saying like whitewashing your failure or whatever it is with such statements. Rani was trying to build a democratic Afghanistan and that was true. And honestly, he was till his last days, he was trying to fight against the Taliban. He never saw that um, dealing with the Taliban, the peace negotiation is an, a good option for the future of Afghanistan. But then the United States was against that. That's the problem. That and, and can I tell you, that's why it's been hard for me to criticize the Afghan government, because when the support is pulled out, it's people are going to do whatever they have to do to survive. And whether it was the air support, whether it was the maintenance of the aircraft, whether it's putting the Afghan government in the Doha peace talks and not giving them a vote and not giving them a chance to negotiate, but telling them they had to go along with things. It makes it very hard for any government to function in its best interests when its hands are tied. And I think that was very unfair, um, a very unfair of us to do to the Afghan government, because I think that's a difficult problem for any government to deal with when it's so young. Yeah. yeah yes. It was very uh, difficult when you came back from Doha, how did you feel? Did you feel like a big up? Did you feel like at the end was near? Did you feel like the country was going to fall yeah. apart? Well, uh, we knew that uh, we lost the support and uh, the deal going to be with the Taliban, not us. So they didn't see us as an option, uh, which we didn't know the reason exactly. What's the reason behind that? If honestly, that's what they pretend in public for the democracy, standing for democracy, which right now, why U.S. is supporting and President Zelensky recently stated that you don't give me charity, you are investing in democracy. So what was the big failure in Afghanistan? You, you didn't do, uh, you couldn't build democracy in Afghanistan and you're trying to build in another country. So anyway, I don't want to be distracted from the question. Uh, but Sorry, we're going to get back to uh, Ukraine. It's okay. We're yeah, going to get back there in a but, second. Yeah. But, the, uh, but the things that they show in public, that's very frustrating for me. That democracy, honestly, are you standing for democracy? And Taliban was an option for democracy. Maybe it, it's it's a new name, a new um, word for the uh, Westerns to hear Taliban. Come and ask Afghans to define Taliban who they are. They are defined by their ideology, by their brutality. Why did they trust for them, them as an option for building democracy? Yeah. 
So yeah. United States is losing its prestige and power in the region, in those countries. And um, honestly, no one going to trust anymore for standing with them. See the way like um, they left Afghan Afghans like within a day and the chaos that they brought in Afghanistan. Um, the policymakers, the problem was from the policymakers, the leadership that um, this uh, Biden administration, mm-hmm. uh, they are part of this corruption and they can never ignore this uh, fact uh, because they made billions, billions dollars out of this chaos and they are just doing all this under the name of democracy. Yeah, It's yeah. not true. Crystal, I want to I want to make sure that I get your story, and I want to get back to all the politics because, to me, talking with you is incredibly refreshing. It this is, I I I think myself, like many folks, have been very bothered by what's happened in Afghanistan, and um, talking with you is a good um, it's a good uh, treatment. It's a good medicine, I think, to be able to talk to you about that. Um, so I want to I want to keep talking about that, but I want to go back and give more context about your life. You were born in Ghazni, right? Uh, I was born in Kabul, but then okay. uh, I'm originally my ancestors, my grandparents are from Ghazni, so that's how it used to be in Afghanistan. That when your grandparents are from another different states, but then my mom and myself I grew up in Kabul. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what was it like growing up? I mean, obviously most of your life was after America was in Afghanistan, right? I mean, do you even remember the time when America wasn't in Afghanistan? No, I think I was, uh, all I remember, even from the war in Afghanistan, when the United States came and bombing uh, um, Afghanistan, especially Kabul, I remember those nights that my mom were taking us to the roof and we were screaming and seeing the first time like those i i just remember like very uh you know like not exactly but those moments the, in only some few moments that were really tragic for me i remember those moments but then my mom was giving us hope like you know even this war we will end up with a democrat um mm, mm, democratic country uh, with a yeah. free Afghanistan with a with a good and uh, bright future it's okay even those that much casualty we have given there was always hope in the eyes of people uh, that we that's will have a free Afghanistan uh, you- that's what I remember but I don't remember exactly how life uh, uh, I mean up to the win- uh, 2021 August, um, yeah. I didn't know like how l- life would look like uh, under the Taliban regime. You know, um, I was like three. If I never feel like how it sounds like if someone, uh, if the government doesn't allow you to go to school, yeah, or or you because you went to school morning. your whole life, right? Yeah, you went to school yeah, your whole life. Yeah, you never had a problem. I had with the school. freedom. I yeah. I honestly had so much challenges to go to school because of the uh, effect, effect of uh, war in Afghanistan on the com- uh, communities, the people yeah. mindset that more men was this this is fact and more men was very um, 
conservative, I mean, I can say, it, but it's totally different from conservative of what the United States. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were not so much supportive uh, at the first, but 20 years, uh, I can say it changed the men in Afghanistan. It changed their mindset. It changed their nature. They are being so liberal. So if I tell my story, like my dad wasn't allowing me to go to school. But then after proving myself that a girl has the capability as if you expect the same from a, a boy. So um, after proving myself, I mean, 2015 was a level when Afghanistan was like going to school or going to university or going to to get uh, to work is not, it wasn't an, a, a, a big deal. Yeah. Like it wasn't very normal. So yeah. it got normalized um, during the time. But first, it was very hard to get into school and go to university or with boys in the same class. But then the thing, like after 2015 to 2021, we didn't didn't have too much differences from what life is here and there. So we had like normal life, going outside and driving a car. Everything was... Everything was normal. Looking back on it now, were you afraid during that time, 2015, 2016? Was it, what was your level of fear like? Did you, how did you feel about the Americans being there? How I did was, you feel about the yeah. Taliban threat? How did you feel about all that? Uh, I was very busy with, uh, with my school <laughs> that time. But uh, all I remember was like uh, how... Uh, what is the uh what what are the uh the changes that happened in our society like if you could walk on the street like if you don't cover yourself properly it was a normal thing was giving really hope and it had a special feeling for every afghans like oh well i could go outside with this and um the level of the fear we we had some uh, some internal insecurity mm-hmm. uh, during that time too um, but uh, everything was uh, everything was accepted by a hope that even these things are happening but ultimately like one day we will have a free Afghanistan the hope was not to be handed back to by the Taliban sure sure the the hope was like it's okay. We are fighting. We are giving sacrifice. We are paying the cost of this freedom that we we are dreaming, uh, and we have to pay this um, the price of this um, this dreams that we have. So that's what all we were um, thinking. We we never yeah. knew that it would happen to us. Of course, of course. How did did you travel throughout the country at all, or uh, were you pretty much I always did. in Kabul? So till uh, finishing my high school, I was um, I was in Kabul, and after that, uh, definitely I traveled with my parents, not alone. But then, the first time when I made a decision to uh, travel outside of Afghanistan was 2016, okay. when I went uh, when I went to India for my Indeed. bachelor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I got a scholarship. Due to like lots of problems uh, inside of the university, though I got like fifth ranking uh, uh, in the Concord examination, which is right. a kind of achievement test in Afghanistan. If you 
get passed to that exam. So you would have like um, the pre-education for your bachelor and your master. But I got it. And then after that scene, like, I was thinking like, no, now is the time. Like I have to move out of the country and explore and see um, the world. But I traveled. It was hard for me, like, from where from where I came, sure. it was difficult for my family to allow a young girl like seventeen years old to go to India and study. But then it was my support of my mom and my grandparents, uh, especially my grandfather. Uh, my paternal grand uh, maternal grandfather was very supportive of education for women and especially like giving freedoms and opportunity for the a uh, young. Uh, for 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 the youths mm-hmm. that's what his belief was and uh, uh, he's not alive right now but i always uh, admire uh, his uh, uh, persistence uh, towards education for for the efforts that he made uh, and the changes that he brought in our life honestly i wouldn't be this crystal if i uh, didn't have my mom and my uh, my grandfather uh, uh, beside me uh, when I went to India it was hard time for for a month to accept uh, even my relatives that oh crystal is out of the country and alone but then it, it normalized and I saw because what my mom always tell me that if you start from yourself start practicing the change you want to do start paying the price of the change you dream for so I start from myself and then I saw that my family is my aunts were trying to get a scholarship for their daughters or admission to different universities wow. and send wow. them outside. And that was really like, that's what I need. That's what I want to see. So we start practicing. Even driving a car was very strange. You have been in Kabul. If a girl is like was driving yeah. car, how strange was it? Right. Like, but then I start, like I got a car with, with a, always fighting with my dad and saying like, I want a car. And then I, I was inviting my friends to come and sit in the car and teaching them how to drive. And that's how they got their uh, driving license. And we were we were working hard. Um, my life story, I mean, it was like from down up. But right yeah. now, again, I'm not, I cannot sit down, but it's just my life, my personal life. I have to start everything from scratch. Totally. Uh, but then still I have, I'm hopeful. Um, and I think... Uh, um always uh, believe that um, one day Afghanistan will be free and that's for sure but it takes time it's just hard to see that our people suffer during this period of time uh, that's the hardest thing do you believe in the national resistance front do you think that's an actual path to freedom and democracy or do you think I it's think too that- small um, I do believe that the problem that it's too small is because the world is not supporting it. Yeah. If United States, instead of that $30 million sent to hand of a terrorist group, send it to the national and see if the changes. And within a week, it will get nationwide. Do you think so? Really? Uh, yes. Uh, the problem is there is a misconception of like, uh, discrimination about ethnics uh, in, yeah. inside of that group that isn't Ahmad Masood always uh, say that all the uh, all all people from different ethnic ethnics are my brothers and we are the same uh, 
which is fact. I consider Pashtun as my brother. I consider Tajik. I'm not, I'm Bayat, but right. I'm minorities from Afghanistan. Right. Uh, but then I always believe uh, in diversities of, um, in diversity, um, especially in, in terms of ethnic, uh, ethnicities mm-hmm. in Afghanistan, the languages, um, in the, um, uh, in different uh, ways. Uh, I think Afghanistan is beautiful by that uh, diversity that it has. Uh, uh, we couldn't get any more support. Uh, the international community is trying to work more with the Taliban rather than this um, uh, this uh, national resistance. Right. Uh, one thing which I honestly always criticize, you might see on social media also, and read yeah. that I don't like that the, nation, uh, the NRF should go towards warlords and involve them in this resistance, in this, because we need generation. I never, I never um, support violence and war, but then uh, the problem is that uh, our civil resistance start uh, 2017 against the Taliban in order to change them. Five years, it means you could uh, raise up a baby. Five years, they didn't change. They didn't change. They, did, they, they, they didn't show any flexibility for us. So we had to talk with them and act uh, and behave in their in their um, own code of their language. I mean, they believe in fight and in, in the weapons. Right. So we have right. to act, um, reverse that. Sometimes war is the only answer. Yeah, initially. Honestly, yeah. with the yeah. Taliban, that's, you might see that, you know, yeah. if it if they were like uh, changeable, you could, uh, America could, change them, not even Afghans, because yeah. they deal a lot with the Taliban rather than us. Yeah, sure. But they didn't. So right now, I believe that because in order to prevent this humanitarian crisis, um, this catastrophe that's going on in Afghanistan, uh, there must be a decision made as soon as possible, uh, whether to support the NRF or whether to kick the Taliban out of Afghanistan and send these people back to Afghanistan in order to be a good option and for for the future of Afghanistan. But this, the, what's, uh, I, I never oppose NRF. Yeah. I mean, even if, put yourself, if someone come and invade Af- uh, America, what do you do? Will you go through resistance, uh, um, civil, civil resistance or war? Definitely, 100%. you would you would defend from your soil, and defending from your soil is not something uh, in terms of it doesn't come in terms of violence or right. Right. terrorism. Um, United States always criticize NRF um, in different ways uh, that they don't have community support. They do have community support. It's just because of the security issues, no one can stand with them, and no one support them. No, that makes sense. I, I'm gonna. I want to throw out some of the criticisms that I've heard, so that you can address them because you're better positioned than I am to talk about them. Um, one of the criticisms about the NRF was that in 2021, when the Biden administration said that we were going to withdraw, a lot of the Pancheries fled, and they went to France. And there's a big Panchiri diaspora there, and they were like, "Hey, too many." people that we would have needed in the NRF left the country. Do you think that's valid 
or do you think that's not that shouldn't be as big an issue as some people try so to make? So, if it? those people who are telling that okay, they flee to uh, France, uh, then from the another side, uh, they flee to America, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like we we see some people are saying that oh, NRF is in France. He is a leader. He will do his his work. He has his people in, inside of the country. Most of NRF is in, inside of Afghanistan. They are not outside of Afghanistan. So uh, I don't think it's a right, uh, um, a right thing to say. But yeah. um, Do you think they would come back? Do you think if they had a chance, people would come back and fight in Afghanistan if they wanted? If, if they saw that they were getting support? What we are screaming for that, we are yelling every day that support us, we will go. I personally will go. I don't. I don't know how to fight, but I'm ready to go back Afghanistan and fight against the Taliban, kick them out of Afghanistan. I can't see my people to suffer in the way they are. Seeing our people dying in front of our eyes is is like the most humiliated moment of my life. Like I can't, I can't even describe in words how to say, but it's really painful for me to see that. Everyone, I mean, uh, General Semi Sadat is uh, mm. ready to go, but you know the the um, the um, financial status of people of Afghanistan. They are not as independent. Who could? We don't have so much big business people to support us. Our big our businessmen are always um, too uh, far away from from the politics so they never never supported and they mm-hmm. they're flexible with the taliban too so they don't care about it we don't have any support sami sadat is always telling that i'm going to afghanistan but there is no country there is no leader to stand with that young general and say commander to okay i'm here to support you go and fight uh, against taliban and if they really they really uh, consider that there should be fight in Afghanistan, which people say is that it's a need, mm-hmm. but then the uh, people outside of Afghanistan are saying, no, there is no need for war and all this stuff. But they never know that what's going on in Afghanistan. Right. Exactly. They just right. read it. They just see it from the media. If you, if you, you put yourself and your family in a way like your daughter in the morning is waking up and not allowed to go to school. Yep. As a father, how do you feel? Or seeing your sister that never allowed to be out of the home without uh, accompanying a, a male guardian, you know? Right, right. That's very difficult to understand because it's very, and I can understand Americans too, it's hard for them to even imagine how it looks yeah. like, you yeah. know? That's because right. they never know this such kind of restriction. I mean, here people are fighting for uh, taking off their mask <laughs> you know <laughs> the very very basic things but right. imagine like putting all those black burqa on you and impose you to wear it's not your choice but because it's those uh, terrorist group wants you to wear then you have to wear it imagine that piece of the <laughs> that Dude. piece with the big burqa it's totally different. That's yeah. how sometimes I'm like, I can feel Americans. That's why I never said like, oh, you guys don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is, but it's like Americans have like a little taste and this is the full, and this is really what that kind of fascist totalitarian system leads to. I want to yeah. ask about when Kabul fell. 
And when the Taliban came in, in August of 21, did you think the military was, the ANA was going to hold up longer and hold out longer? Or did you think that was going to go as quickly as it did? Uh, the problem was uh, that uh, they didn't have support first thing. And then they got order, which is again, uh, I don't want to accuse Americans, but I can accuse Amer- uh, U.S. leadership, uh, the Biden administration. They made call and they said, like, Dan, we cannot support uh, in any way. And there's people saying, oh, Ghani took money and ran away. Okay, he took money. How much he took? Like a $100 million? That's it. But, but <laughs> Which is a lot. But, but I mean, again, yeah, when the country's falling apart at this falling point, apart, every man like, for himself. That's like billions, billions dollars in that country. That's falling apart. And people are talking about that amount of money. He, we were witnessing like we were trying our best. I always tell Moheb, Moheb was the most corrupted person in the circle of Guinea, who really, uh, who really uh, worked in the favor of our enemies. What he was, was his a, role? What was it? What uh, was his role? He was the national security advisor. Uh, okay. Yeah. So he, when when Ghazni collapsed, I made some call uh, with the National Security Council, and I'm like, the governor is running away. We have to arrest him. And then on the another, um, he was uh, about to enter Kabul, and then there was a checkpoint, and we arrested him because the the president said that you have to arrest the governor. And then again, he made a call, and he said, "Oh no." Everything is done. We are done. We have to. So the armies were crying. I can never forget when they were putting their soldiers and the soldiers putting their weapons on the on the ground. Everyone was crying. They wanted to fight, but it was such a heartbreaking time to see that everyone is crying and they can't do anything. Where it was this? Where were you seeing that? Was that in Kabul? Was that in, in Kabul? In okay. Kabul. In okay. Kabul. Yeah. yeah. And you were there. You were there when they were laying their weapons down. It was when uh, we were in the office when the Taliban entered and people were screaming. And I was just looking around and seeing that what's happening. Because United States was telling um, continuously that we will stand with the people of Afghanistan. And uh, especially Kabul will never fall apart till the Taliban change themselves. It will be the same like the... Like they will keep the power uh, in the hands of Democrat um, Party, but then uh, we couldn't even get our car. You know, we just ran to home and seeing how the Taliban entered easily too, and they came and took the uh, the weapons from the soldiers because it was an emergency uh, situation, and I, I think everyone was uh, militarized that time where they had weapons and they had to defend, but then they got ordered that you have to uh, submit your uh, weapons. And that was Moheb that, that ordered them yeah. to drop their oh, weapons? Yeah. yeah, he did. He's the most, I can't um, use those words, but honestly, I have so much, uh, so much pain that to seeing, like as an ordinary citizen, to see people around you and the young armies, how they cry and give their weapons to the Taliban, you know? 
Uh, even my dad worked uh, 30 years with um, with Ministry of Interior Affairs uh, and he served the military. I could see the pain in his eyes. Uh, that how hard was it? Was he still working uh, when the Taliban came in? No. Okay. He's an about he uh, he was the like most vulnerable of because they fought in in different uh, states against the Taliban. So they, he was not allowed to even get out of home. But then we somehow we got him out of the country for some time, and then again he went back. Um. Uh, there was lots of things with my parents after knowing about my activities and my family. They've gone through so much uh, hard uh, uh, time because of me. And uh, I think it was very hard for everyone, honestly. That's all I can say. It, it was, where, where it was just now? a deal. Are, are they in Afghanistan now? Uh, my parents? Yeah. No, they are out okay. of Afghanistan. Okay, so they did get yeah. out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they, they're out of Afghanistan. Were they able to leave with you or did they have to leave separately? No, my dad was, uh, my dad was like, uh, maybe it's a kind of just a um, humor or kind of, you know, how I can, I can't say. It's like um, maybe everything will get better because U.S. will not leave uh, Afghanistan like this. And so... Uh, you know, 2014, when uh, in, in the North Afghanistan, it happened the same thing. And the fight and everything, everyone was uh, hopeless. But then again, they took um, uh, they t- took care of everything. Uh, it was the same thought. And then he didn't. Uh, and it, actually, my parents are very, like, uh, uh, patriotic. And they never wanted to be out of Afghanistan. Uh, they had so much option during their times too, but they never decide to be out of Afghanistan. But this time, then everything changed, and he saw that oh, Taliban remained in power, and there is no support for different parties. So he had to decide to leave the country. Then. Before the U.S. came into Afghanistan, how were your mother and father surviving? What did they do? So before two thousand one, when you were first born, mm. what were they doing? Okay, so because we are, we were minor, we are minorities from Afghanistan, from religion also we are Shia, and from the ethnic also we were bad. So we were uh, we we were not Pashtun nor Hazara, neither Tajik. You know how my dad suffered because of this uh, uh, discrimination. Yeah. Um, they arrested my dad. For 15 days, uh, they got uh, give uh, give him electric shock. Uh, uh, be- the reason because he was the the method of pray, uh, praying that he had was different. And when he used to come to Hazara because of his face, he he looks like Pashtun. Uh, so they so were Hazara didn't like him either. Very, no, no one was like in each part. Like my dad was uh, kind of. Uh, got punished because of his identity, uh, his religion. And uh, uh, my dad couldn't work uh, that time, but my mom, as a doctor, uh, she used to go uh, secretly uh, deliver babies in uh, people's uh, home, you know. That's how she made money at that time. It was a hard time to survive, but then 
they didn't give up. Uh, it was time and it passed. Uh, but uh, very hopeful for from 20, 2001. Uh, my mom worked with different um, US projects and uh, she was uh, in hospital, uh, actively working in hospital after 2021. And then after that, again, she was banned from her right to go to work. So I'm just I think it's important for Americans to understand what you're talking about and really get a sense of it because that's something that I don't think a lot of Americans can relate to. What yeah. future did your father think he had in Afghanistan prior to 2001? I mean, you're there, you're Turkic minority. He can't work. He's being tortured. He did he think about going somewhere else? Like, what was the options? How was he? He suffered, but he never planned to uh, to be out of the country because he left his uh, motherland. And every wow. time we complain that uh, why you didn't uh, got out, because uh, at least we could have a good, better education yeah. and better life. Uh, and then he was like, I never prefer to leave out of Afghanistan. So that's why what he said. Um, I never asked this question as you could ask me about my dad, <clears throat> but uh, exactly like what uh, what do you dream to your future before you came? Uh, but uh, from my mom, I could say that she was never she never gave up. Even if it was hard time, she were worker, she worked wow. secretly, uh, but she was like um, hopeful for for a better future of Afghanistan. Uh, that was their fate. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't easy for them during internal war. My parents were from one state to another state, being displaced. Uh, because well, because that—that's that, what I was going to say. In Kabul in the late nineties, I mean, you had all the warlords fighting. You had Masood. Yeah. You had Ekmatyar. Yeah. You had Even, all those guys. Who protected your family? Would your family just hide the whole time, or were, was there somebody they could at least? go to to get some protection and stay safe with all that going well, on well that's i think god saved them because most of uh, his family especially my paternal maternal family were uh, uh, were outside of afghanistan during those um, period of time uh, but my parents were uh, my parents were inside of afghanistan and my paternal family were inside of afghanistan most of them uh, uh, or died. Uh, most of them are being uh, disabled because of war, you know. Uh, 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 but uh, and were I they in Kabul? God were they protect my parents. No, in Kabul and Ghazni. Okay. And all, uh, yeah, it's it was like. Uh, uh, so we had a house in Ghazni and also. In Kabul, so I never been in Ghazni because of the security trade. Yeah. Even for twenty years, you know that how uh, yeah. Taliban had so much influence on those part of the country. Yeah. But for my parents, yeah, it was. I bet it was hard, as it's for me. I could just see how hard it is. I mean, right now, Taliban. Right. Um, what Taliban are doing in this women. They're so much brave. I was part of that, but when I'm seeing from outside right now, I'm like, they're so much brave. I have a special respect for those women. Putting your life in danger 
I did that one, but I think right now when I'm seeing those women and I'm like, that's too scary. <laughs> Honestly. When, because yeah, when, I when didn't. Moved. Sorry, go ahead. Um, because when I went in, uh, and confront Taliban, yeah. I even didn't know. Nah. All I knew, like, I have to keep this freedom. I have to keep uh, this um, uh, this rights, these achievements. We built it for twenty years, and I not, I, I will not give up on this uh, achievements. And that that was in my head. That's it. Um, like armies that they sacrificed their lives. The achievements we built, it's not easy. It was at the cost of, um, at the cost of the bloods of those armies. And we have to keep the, that, that's an special respect always in my life for the armies, the soldiers that they are yeah. going and fight for the protection of their countries. And that's all I had. I didn't go for anything like what Taliban was stating and put a tweeting about me. Oh, she's a, American spy and she's against religion and her name is English and all this stuff and I'm like no that isn't my national values my national interests for my countries the boundaries is is my whole existence you can't take all of this from me and if you take this then it means you take all from me so I stood up against them based on this uh, things and I don't know maybe because they were under uh, monitoring of uh, international the community yeah. yeah the UN they, they couldn't do anything but still they, as you see on, the, on my interview with New York Times at the end it mentioned that they opened fire on us uh, but it was scary but then we were already died you know imprisoned inside of home so was that, was that was the assassination just, attempt or did they come after you Personally, uh, uh, no, assassination was in 2020 uh, when they tried to put a bomb in my car. Tell um, me about that. Where? What, what was that? So you- it was exactly when after Lojurga um, end and they killed first Akostani and some few friends of us. Uh, you might see on, on social media that they were assassinating uh, the young uh, activists and especially peace activists and those people who who were part of that um, dialogue, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I don't know. God saved me, maybe for a reason. That's what I believe. But yeah. it was it was it was very scary moments when I saw like the bomb in my car and how I ran and how the police came and you know. So you were walking out to your car? You were walking out to your car and you saw it? No, I was inside of the car and um, near to a gas station. I I was trying to get gas. And then uh, maybe someone put it that time because I never parked because of security issues. I never parked in public and parking. So, but when I was driving and it was like, like not too much traffic, but it was normal. I mean, I can't say normal, but I was driving very slow. And then a guy was shouting and saying, like, bomb is near to your uh, your t- uh, right-hand tire. And I didn't know how I parked the car in the middle of the streets and ran away. And everyone was, uh, um, everyone was so scared at that moment. I was unable to speak or to call or remember things. But all I said, like, 
called my mom. Uh, she came, uh, she took me home. But after that, I don't know how they dealt with all this stuff, but it was very scary wow. for me. And did then you, I got out did the car blow two up? months. Did the car blow up or no? No, they wow. neutralize it. They neutralize the bomb. And so then what yeah. happened? So then you left, you left for two months after that? Uh, then I was in uh, outside of Afghanistan and I was... And I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know what Utah gave me this piece, but honestly, when I was like for two months out of Afghanistan, I had to go back to Afghanistan. I wasn't able to stay a long time in uh, outside of Afghanistan. And then when I was outside and I was like, well, this is the journey that you, this is the challenges that you have to confront in order to achieve your dreams and goals. Yeah. And you have no option rather than to resist and, you know, continue. Then I decided to go back and I went back to uh, Afghanistan. And how did that feel? With a hope, with yeah. a vision. Every second, we, um, like every morning when we were uh, going to work, uh, we're going to work, uh, we say our last bye to our family, to each other, because, you know, the situation was not as secure as I should say right now. No, we had to last one year was like each second there was a threat of de- death. But then still people accepted that because uh, we we had hope um, in US and in, in NATO. A lot, um, and it, it was hard. Um, were you able to sleep? Were you able to take care of yourself? Or were you exhausted? Were you going it was crazy? Hard. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was hard. I think that was uh, that time when I went back, I was more depressed and seeing that everything is like, we could see it in our, our eyes, that how things are ruining in front of our eyes and we can't do anything. As a, and as an individual, I tried my best. Even for the last moments that was Taliban came into the city, I did my best. But sometimes, you know, if you don't have the life support and we, we can't talk, Taliban are different. I mean, people are saying, oh, why you didn't persist? It, it isn't easy to just yeah. say why you didn't persist. If you don't have support, if you don't have protection, I took the risk of death uh, to my life. But uh, at least there, there should be, uh, uh, they should have, uh, send some protection for, in order for me to continue my work in Afghanistan or to stand against them. Even if they wanted to change the Taliban, yeah. uh, here you go, and talk with us. But again, now, the international community, the some of the, I, I can say the countries are very corrupted and they want to yeah. deal with corrupted people you know we people are not their option so that's why they never come to us right. they always right. go for the people who listen to them who play for them you know they never go for the people that they really want to bring change fundamental grassroots change in afghanistan uh, we have so much young talented people and yeah. in our team in our group just you know, like no one is, no one is because if you don't accept what they are saying, uh, we went, uh, we had a meeting with Tom West, the U.S. Special Envoy in Afghanistan. You might have heard his name. He didn't see 
uh, he didn't even take us serious. You know, he said, well, uh, Taliban are trying to change themselves. We want to work with the Taliban rather than you guys. And if you want to work for your country, go inside of country. And, and I asked about protection, how, who can guarantee that we will have protection in order to continue our work in Afghanistan. He said, like, that's the thing that we cannot feel, um, take care of it. You, you should go and you should work with the Taliban. Honestly, they're pushing so much uh, uh, for us to work with the Taliban rather than... So I believe, like, if I start working with the Taliban, it means I'm supporting dictators. Yeah. And dictators are the first enemy of the democratic countries. If these dictators can get uh, united, why we Democrats are, I mean, democratic countries are not getting united and stand against them? One day they, they will they will vanish as if we if we take it easy and not uh, work on it. You yeah. know, yeah, we have to be unif- uni- united in this fight. It's not about me and my country. It's about the core values, the common values that we define for ourselves. So I think if if nothing uh, bring people's interest to support Afghans, at least uh, um, what uh, what their values, uh, what what's important for them is like democracy and its uh, its values. Yeah. 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 They for the sake of that those uh, things they have to support uh, people in Afghanistan who are risking their life uh, because of uh, to say just no to Taliban and their brutality and their um, uh, their violence yeah that among so many other reasons as well from national security to as you said the democracy thing to the humanitarian aid to just being good Americans and taking care of our partners and our allies yeah, there's so many reasons to have done better by Afghanistan and to do better now. I want to ask you, I don't want to, um, I, first off, thank you. I appreciate how much we've talked, but I can't let you go without asking you just two other things. One, I want to ask you about, you know, we you talked before about an issue that's very close to my heart, which is the foreign influence in Afghanistan. Now that China is in Bagram and they're doing the mines and everything like that. It's first, what do you think that relationship is like between China, Pakistan, Iran, Russian elements, all of that operating in Afghanistan? They are all dictators. I mean, yeah. I mean, do you think there's hope? Because the problem is like for America, like when we left Iraq and then ISIS came up, we could go back to Iraq. We can't go back to Afghanistan. We'll have to fight the Chinese at this point, and that's yeah. and, and and that now becomes a real war. What, tell me about that. Tell me about what the foreign influence is well, like this now. This is this is what the weak points from you is to China. You know, in some way, China influenced more and gained more power in mm-hmm. Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we have to accept this uh, that uh, it's a failure for all of us. It is, yeah. China, China is, um, so it's, um, most people don't know that they took over Bagram uh, base, uh, military base, and um, all the equipments that are left from the U.S., the, the money of these uh, Americans are right now being used by, by Chinese, by Pakistanis, by Taliban terrorists, you know, in Afghanistan. Um 
I believe uh, that um, there are several ways that the United States could work with the people of Af- with the Afghans, no Americans to be involved. In order, like what people for state people mm-hmm. is like, we don't want our um, our our sons to die, you know. Mm-hmm. But we Afghans can work for U.S. if U.S. stand and support us. We can kick uh, kick China out of Afghanistan. We can kick Pakistan out of Afghanistan. But U.S. never came and start even talk with uh, with the Afghan community. With this, um, if, suppose like there is a, a government in exile. We are try- we give the concept like okay, form a government in exile and scare Taliban that if you don't function good, then there is an option government in exile. We will bring them into power rather than you. Mm-hmm. They didn't accept it. That's what uh, what make us angry. Like they yeah, never accept it. Of course, but. What Chinese is doing, China, China is, it's not only about minerals and mines. China is, uh, constructing geographic, uh, uh, the one uh, belt, one road. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, through the Asian and uh, connecting Asian and European. That's what, what, they're trying to do because there is nothing shared value with the Taliban and, and Chinese. Right. If it's Islam, at least in the United States, you could practice to be a Muslim or a right. Jew, right. but you don't have freedom of religion. If people are thinking, I don't understand why um, uh, people, um, Taliban are saying that U.S. is a non-Muslim country and we have to fight against the infidels. You know what I mean? Uh, and you got you China right Afghanistan. there. Yeah. This yeah. was very yeah. like something common. I, it shouldn't come from my side, but it's what the Taliban believe, you know? Right. We have to kill Americans because they are not Muslim. But how? Is China is Muslim? Yeah, right. And they're torturing the Uyghurs? Torturing, yeah. 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 And, and you get like, and you, you get nothing. You see yeah. that how your yeah. Muslims are suffering in China. Yeah. But in the U.S., everyone uh, uh, has freedom of religion. They could practice any religion yeah. that they have. Uh, one thing, which they don't have an issue, but there is, again, money in between. China see that the Taliban are as stupid as they can ever <laughs> imagine. So they know how to control Taliban. They know how to use it. They couldn't use us. So we stood against them and we were imposing our demands into, for China uh, in order if they want to do any deal in Afghanistan. But then they saw that the easiest option is why they shouldn't go with the Taliban. You know? But here it shows the failure of the United States with its yeah. power. That yeah. why they let because Afghanistan in some way was a kind of how I can say it was like um, U.S. dominant. Uh, dominant. Uh, yeah. It was uh, a dominant presence in presence, Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. So, in fact, we we weren't like representing internationally because we were just ordinary people. But the, it, it, when it comes to as a superpower, U.S. shouldn't have mm, uh, led the Chinese to take over. You know, yeah, that was another. Uh, that's another issue that uh, people must understand that Biden administration, the most corrupted administration in favor of Chinese, doing what Chinese are. 
Um, the, I mean, behind the scenes, we know that how much uh, how much they are making money out of these deals, yeah. but they yeah. don't believe in the values, in the prestige, and the in the, uh, uh, the country's name uh, in, internationally and. For the, um, you know, like how it looks like right now, no one is taking serious, uh, United States in Afghanistan, but yeah, there is Chinese, you know? Do you think, because, do you think the Afghan people or the NRF could get rid of China if it was supported? Definitely. Yeah. They will fight. They're, they're ready to fight with You it. think they would fight China though? Well, wow. they will. Yeah, they will. Because they're well trained. You could see right now how Russians are demanding Afghan armies for their fight against Ukraine. And Afghans uh, armies are very um, uh, abundant. Uh, they feel abandoned with what U.S. did yeah. with them. And most of them are going and joining them out of anger. Uh, but how uh, Iran is um, using our army, you know, it, it, in fact, uh, uh, Afghan armies are a kind of investment of U.S. So they're, they're using it, yeah. you know. Uh, Iran is uh, giving them option that, okay, if you want to get a residential card in Iran and have your family here, so we want you to go for fight and fight against Ukraine and fight against their people, uh, racist team in 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 the, um, uh, Israel. You know, Palestine, Israel, wow. this part of the wow. world. Yeah, that's how um, my friends are. We we are in contact, and they're like we always give them hope that wait for the right time. Don't make a decision that you should be regretted if it's not again, if it's against your values, against your um, yeah, um, uh, your uh, belief. Don't go for that. So wait, I know let me, it's hard let me make sure I understand. So Afghans can get an offer from Iran to go yeah. fight in Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah, Again, yeah. against the Russians or against no, no. U- uh, Ukrainians? They're against uh, Ukrainian. That's so they what fight with the Chechens is. and they'll fight oh, with yeah. the Dagestanis this... and over there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the U.S. was trying to send again army from the United States who came last year, all those interpreters and armies, right. to send them in Ukraine. None of them accepted. Why? Because they feel betrayed. They, they, they could understand that, okay, if it was the, the purpose of like, you didn't support war and you wanted to go through peace, so you should go to the same with Russia and Ukraine too. So why you're trying us to yeah. use as a firewood, you know, like to just go for war. We left our country, but those who are in Iran, because they, they have um, financial problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a uh, security problem for their families and they're going mm-hmm. for, because for the sake of their family, they are going. Of course. Do you know who's behind ISIS-K? Do you, because I wonder, I know I've heard rumors about Afghan commandos being offered to work for ISIS. And because they yeah. can't work for the Taliban, they're like, fine, I'll work for ISIS. Keeps my family safe. And this way I'm fighting the Taliban at least. Is there any truth to that? I have heard that uh, ISIS are giving uh, uh, good salaries, like five hundred mm-hmm. bucks to a thousand bucks okay. for each uh, person, individual who joined their uh, their team, their group. 
uh, I don't know exactly uh, supporting. I believe um, there are different countries which I can name it here. Uh, but in another part, uh, some people say it's like, oh, well, most of Tajiks are going to fight uh, to join uh, ISIS because to fight against Taliban. Pashtun, oh, yeah. Pashtun yeah. yeah, which that's not true. I don't believe because mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, we have some crazy people who just say things. But if sure. this is not actual, um, uh did they, they they offer really good uh, uh, benefits salaries uh, for the people and they're joining because the reason is only to just fight against Taliban because our enemy is definitely ISIS and Taliban. We are scared of ISIS and you could see the future of Afghanistan with ISIS too. Like safe heaven for terrorists is the same like. Uh, yeah. Taliban. I don't see any difference between Taliban and ISIS. They are all one. And and I think uh, there's many of the same people. I think they get fired by Taliban. They go work for ISIS. You go exactly. Diff- That's that was the yeah. lack of um, management uh, for the former government and also U.S. in order how to uh, uh, use these um, uh, human sources yeah. uh, in a good way. You know. We had so much option, but then uh, we accept our mistakes also and use uh, the same as the same US should do. Um, but let's learn from our lesson yeah, and stop yeah. experiencing, you yeah, know. Yeah, um, I think US is right, is still going to support Taliban, and the, the only thing is that oh, we want to get rid of ISIS, then who is Taliban? That's what, um, it's very difficult for yeah. Americans to understand but for me because and you that you have been in Afghanistan you spend time and you know the what is really going on and uh, um, I think it's now the time for the US leadership to change its policy with the Taliban yeah yeah well, they don't long need to, yeah yeah they don't need to be flexible with the Taliban U.S. has the world power, you know. They can, they could, they can keep Taliban in a day back. They're only their leaders. The troops are the fight, um, firewoods of each group. You know, ISIS, yeah, okay, yeah. ISIS. Here, Taliban, Taliban. Or if it's yeah, Republican, yeah. okay, get a Republican. You know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So that's how it works in Afghanistan. The, um, I, I'm seriously tempted to keep talking to you for like four hours and that would be very unfair to you. But, um, I, I, I find this, as I say, like, I think this is, I, I'm really loving this conversation, but I want to let you go, but I want to ask you one, one thing in closing, what's going on with you? What does your future look like now? What are you trying to do? What does the next five, 10 years look like for you? Uh, it was the most difficult question. <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, right now, as I'm continuing my advocacy for a free Afghanistan, uh, for for democratic Afghanistan, and Afghanistan where all uh, uh, ethnicities see themselves as equal uh, uh, individuals. Uh, I want to. I'm very passionate about uh, liberation of uh, Afghan women uh, 
from such long, you know, suffering, more than 40 years, in fact. Yeah. Um, you were in Afghanistan, even for the last 20 years, every, every women who they are right now, they built themselves. There was no uh, benefit, social benefits or, or opportunity, you know, to just grab it and be the person. Mm-hmm. We, we created uh, in a very, uh, in a very uh, challenging, uh, you know, passing all those yeah. challenges, you know, yeah. just for myself, how do I get educated and how I, who I am right now. Uh, just to make sure that our next generation should not suffer. I don't want my my kids should experience the same thing I did. It it's, it really breaks you down. It, it it never, you can I can never be that crystal before. Yeah. Uh, um, and um, for five years, I hope like to kick Taliban out of Afghanistan. <laughs> you know. I want Americans to speak uh, out, uh, speak up against uh, against Taliban, against the violation of human rights, women's rights. Honestly, like uh, we believe, there is a good sense in uh, in in Persian that the voice of people is the power of God, so it can do everything yeah. that we want. So I don't know how it it's in English, but that's what I can do direct translate that's all i know that's it so I, I wish i could speak more um listen um come back come back and talk with us at some point i, I would love to i would love to keep talking and hear more about what's going on and as things develop in afghanistan hopefully for the better um, okay. I just love to stay in touch and, and find out more. Uh, this was, um, thank you. This was a blast to talk to you. Thank you. Same here. I just want to say my last words that we still uh, have faith in uh, in uh, and believe in our Americans, brothers and sisters. Um, we still need their support. Uh, we still want them to be allies to each other. Never forget about uh, your Afghan brothers and sisters, especially who are suffering inside, just because of us that we came like for working for democracy and all this stuff. At least, like we should uh, bring the li- those life of armies that they sacrificed in this way. You know, yeah. it's just hard. It is, Crystal. But tell tell everybody how. No, that's right. And then that's a worthwhile reminder. Tell everybody how they can stay in touch with you, how they need to follow you, your Twitter, your Instagram, all that stuff. Um, so um, if they want to support uh, on a, on a causes, uh, whether it's humanitarian crisis or want to save a family uh, who work with the U.S. government uh, uh, during uh, last 20 years uh, for evacuation specifically or feeding a family, they can go to my website, uh, crystalbiot.org and they can donate. uh, uh, We have people on the ground still helping and supporting people. And if if they want to keep themselves updated about what's going on in Afghanistan and what's the truth that's not going to yeah. be on social on media, then they can go and follow me on social media. On Twitter, it's Crystal Baya 37 
and uh, it's a uh, crystal biot three uh, seven on Instagram too. Um, thank you so much. Uh, Let's talk it soon. Was such, yeah, sure. I would love to continue our discussion, and uh, I believe that uh, these are the ways that we the, that we can help people to raise awareness and. I believe so many people don't know uh, because the the media never speak about it. Right. Yeah, but having people from from the ground uh, and uh, like myself, I'm connected with them, knowing the having the first hand information that what's going on in Afghanistan. Uh, we need to raise more public awareness about the situation and how. Um, how even Americans are being used by this leadership, you know, uh, That's right. just deceiving them that they they don't send their money to Afghanistan. But earlier it was for the for sending for the the, the things that was their values, their beliefs, their faith. But right now sending to terrorists and empowering terrorists. That's that's devastating. We should stop it. <laughs> we need to speak, you know. Yeah, yeah, and not forget. Yeah, that's right. And not forget. Yeah. Let's talk, Crystal. Let's talk down the road. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Uh, and I really um, appreciate um, and my deepest gratitude for, for you and um, creating such platforms, you know, to, to get the message out for the people. That's really helpful. That was Crystal Biot's profile in Havoc. Um, can't say I have good things uh, about Crystal. At some point, if we really get our shit together and we start doing this as a YouTube uh, thing so we could do video as well, uh, I wish you guys could have seen her while she was talking. Um, I found it riveting, the way, just the uh, intensity of her expressions and her focus and her clarity um, her body language, the way it, it just resonated, um, how much she cared and how much she had on the line. Uh, I, I think you'll still get quite a lot just from her voice, but um, that was really uh, that was a really great time I had talking with her, and I do look forward to more. And um, I'll, I'll say this only because in the wake of the interview, I, I realized I was like, uh, you know, I, hats off to Crystal. I mean, her English is great. And, um, you know, to do a long form interview in a foreign language is, is not an easy task. And she was incredibly articulate, but, you know, I was trying to make it as easy on her as I could and, and, you know, meet her halfway and, and fill in the gaps and, and what have you. And at one point I think I said, you know, like talking to her was like medicine, um, at least for me, um, but I hope for you guys as well, if you care about what goes on in Afghanistan, I just want to clarify that, uh, because it, it is funny. I feel like, I feel a sense of intimacy with Afghans that I talk to now. It's almost like there's this thing that existed that we're all a little privy to everyone that served in Afghanistan, the Afghan people that were there and part of it. Um, you know, the linguists that 
were maybe Americans that were over there working with us. You know, that whole that whole community that served in Afghanistan, and it's like, and and then we kind of all were at the tip of the spear of the trauma of the withdrawal, and I think those that pitched in trying to help with the evacuation efforts and all that, um, even more so. And it's funny, I I had the same feeling, not to sound overly dramatic about it, but it was kind of the same sense of intimacy I had after 9-11 um, when I was, you know, as many of you guys who may listen to the show a lot may know, I was at 9-11, I was at the Trade Center when they got um, hit. And the days after, uh, people in New York City had a sense of intimacy with each other, where every time they saw each other, it was like checking in. It was like, hey, are you okay? Even if you didn't know somebody, which is crazy. I mean, it was such small-town behavior, but to happen in New York City, so that you're just making eye contact with people on the subway, and everybody's kind of going, are you okay? Um, And that's kind of how I felt talking with Crystal. It was kind of, there's kind of a sense of, um, yeah, shared experience. I guess. Um, and obviously hers much more than mine, but, but, uh, but hearing her talk and being able to kind of hear her perspective on what I think was, you know, a major betrayal for lack of a better way of putting it by the United States, um, is, uh, I don't know if it, it felt, um, medicinal it it helps to talk it out so and i hope that episode also really um for all you folks that are listening that served anywhere but especially in afghanistan i hope it also really brings home um the good that american foreign policy can do and the good that the american military can do you know as charlie often says when we talk about havoc journal you know, if, if he, Charlie made up the acronym "Have a Voice Outside of Killing" to stand for havoc. And um, you know, we do talk about war stories and all that stuff, but this was truly, um, I think, Crystal's life and her experiences are truly a testament to the positive soft power effects of hard power, of military power, and that yes, while people were fighting and dying in the streets, and Amer- and by people I mean American soldiers fighting. Um, she was one of the beneficiaries. She was one of the ones that was able to be raised with greater freedom than, you know, Afghans could have imagined a generation before. So I hope that does something. I hope that means something to everyone that served um, and everyone listening. Yeah. Look forward to having her back on. Okay. Uh, I started this episode by talking about our first sponsor of this episode, Second Mission Foundation. I'll take a second now to thank our episode's other sponsor, Veterans Repertory Theater, which, of course, as I always say, full disclosure, is my nonprofit. Veterans Repertory Theater is a tax-exempt nonprofit 501c3 organization which provides a platform for talented veterans to create compelling live theater and events in order to enhance, enliven, and invigorate American theater and the live performance arts. It even encompasses a veteran jobs program to bring veterans into theater. We're still in the very early stages of that. 
but it's not too soon to at least mention that that is a component of what we do. And, and both out of necessity and out of idealism, it's something that we look forward to doing to bringing to, you know, only hiring veterans or immediate family members of veterans. And, uh, that's what we've done so far. And, um, obviously that's not for the acting, um, or the directing, but, uh, but for the staff positions at vet rep, uh, we like to always hire veterans or immediate family members of veterans. And we, uh, you know, as we get closer to breaking ground on a theater or a physical space, we will need people to work and to, uh, have, you know, technically competent jobs in the theater. And that's not something you can just walk in off the street and get. So having apprenticeships, having internships that we can facilitate is important and building out a veteran jobs program so that we can have our own, um, you know, grow our own veteran community in the theater uh, is going to be a significant line of effort, especially as we get closer and closer to having a physical space for everything you may want to know about Veterans Repertory Theater, go to vetrep.org, V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org. The best thing to do when you're there, after you've cruised the site and looked at everything and read all the stories and all the biographies and all that, um, go to the Now Playing tab. You will see a button right there to subscribe to our literary blog, which also doubles as our mailing list. It's a free subscription. We send you daily excerpts, not even excerpts, sometimes excerpts, but a lot of times just daily samples of veteran writing. Poetry, usually, sometimes prose. Uh, And it's just, we love doing it. We love featuring so many veteran writers. There's so many talented folks out there. And and then we put some shameless plugs at the bottom of the email. Uh, So you can always be up to date on what's going on at VetRep. We do have an awful lot of stuff going on. We can't always tell you guys about it because a lot of it's not public facing yet. Um, but especially come the springtime when we do have a lot of public facing activities, um, I hope you guys will be signing up on the mailing list so we can let you know about them. Okay. Uh, if you're on iTunes or for that matter, any podcast platform, uh, they probably have some sort of rating system wherever you are. Can you please give us whatever the highest rating is? Say whatever you want to us in the comments. Say questions, comments, snide remarks, all that. But if you can give us a high rating, um, like iTunes, I know you can give it five stars. That means a lot. That that does do a lot for us, and we appreciate that. As always, thanks to our producer, Mike Neal. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. My thanks again to Crystal Biot. We'll see you next time for another Profile in Havoc. <laughs>